This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we will be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing one spell. With the gaze turns inward to see real beauty, we discuss the mechanics of goetics. Join us on the path of suns and we may uncover a secret or two. With the gaze turns inward to see real beauty, we discuss aspects of Invisible Sun characters. With this segment, we're going to discuss the mechanics of the Goetic Order. Specifically, we're going to break apart the mechanics of summoning entities for Goetics. So uh, this is this is going to be a discussion about how uh, how a Goetic goes about spending their resources to summon entities and what they can do with them and how all of that works. Um, this has come up a few times uh, at my table. Uh, and every time we go through it, there are a couple little things that I keep forgetting about. So um, this is this is a practice for me to, to remember how this thing works. Uh, so I don't have to go back into the books and, and look up the little rules that I keep forgetting about. And Scott, you play a Goetic, don't you? I play a Goetic on The Truth Bleeds at Twilight, though I don't believe I've summoned anything yet. How, how many sessions in are you? Uh, the first session was a double session, but in terms of hours of play, probably 10 or 11. Oh, man. Oh, man, Goetic, what are you doing? <laughs> it just has not come up. That is interesting. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to catch up with that a little bit and, and see what's going on there. Though I I had a goetic in my playtest campaign, so I, I am more familiar with summoning process because of my uh, GMing a go a goetic character. Well, uh, this should be a good review uh, for when you get ready to summon something in your <laughs> Truth Bleeds of Twilight. Yes. All right. So. Uh, I'll go through a bunch of the uh, different degrees of goetic powers in uh, after I go through how this process works, uh, because there there are some things that impact what you can summon and for how long uh, based on your degree. Uh, but I think that's not quite as important as like how the goetic summoning process actually works. All right, so if you take a look at uh, the way. You'll, you'll find detailed rules about summoning in there uh, over on, and I think they have one of the largest sections. Uh, it starts on page 75, and it, it details all of the you know rules that are involved in summoning entities. So the first thing you're going to be doing is you're going to be uh, preparing to summon an entity. Uh, so the preparation steps here are optional. You don't have to do this, uh, but these are things that are going to help protect you and also help you um, overcome the colloquy challenge. Am I pronouncing that right? Pretty close. What What is correct? 
I, I mean, I think colloquy or colloquy. I'm not sure which of those two is correct, but it's mm, very close either way. That works too. So anyway, uh, the first one of the first things you can do is you can create a protective circle to summon the entity into, and that is going to take ten minutes. And if something goes wrong, having prepared a protective circle is going to give you plus two. Uh, to your venture for any defensive roles you need to make in order to deal with the fallout of a summoning going wrong. Uh, the other thing you can do is you can prepare for the colloquy. And this is just sort of the mental preparation that a Goetic goes through, uh, the meditation, the research, that, those sorts of things. And it takes uh, one hour per level of the entity that you're planning on summoning. And if you have this kind of time, it's going to give you plus two on your venture for any colloquy challenge that you partake in after that. Uh, so if you got the time, it's really useful to actually do this because plus two, uh, as we've talked about before, is a pretty significant bonus uh, to any venture that you're working on. It, it basically means if you want to summon a level three entity, if you've prepared, all you have to do is roll ones on your challenges, which very yeah, simple. Not zeros. Yeah, not zeros. Um, okay, so once once you're done with your preparation, then you're going to go about actually summoning the being. So you're going to determine the cost uh, of sorcery, which is going to be equal to the entity's level. Very straightforward. Uh, and early on, uh, there is a, a level cap of the entity that you can summon. Uh, a first degree Goetic can summon up to level three. A second degree can summon up to level five. So that's about how much sorcery you're going to be looking at spending. Um, so you're going to spend that sorcery in order to summon this creature. There is another thing that you can do prior to actually summoning an entity. You can choose to summon an entity by name. So if you know an entity's common name, not their like true name or secret name, you can specifically re request to have that entity show up. So if you've got an entity that you've used previously and they're very knowledgeable about let's say the church of midnight and you have more questions about the church of midnight perhaps you want to get that entity in particular or if there is a demon from the red uh who is just really good at destroying your enemies and that's what you need right now maybe you're going to be asking for that de that demon to show up uh, this is where i might i'm not sure if i'd be bending the rules or not but something i might consider Knowing a, an entity's name means that you are more or less have an NPC rather than just a generic creature that is being summoned. It, it is, has the potential to become a re recurring character in your mm -hmm. campaign, which I like to encourage. I don't and think that's what, bending the rules. <laughs> well, I'm not to the bending part yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> the bending part is that you mentioned that uh, order, or the, depending on your degree in the order, you can summon level three, level five, and it goes up as you go up in the order, uh, or degrees in the order level creature and i would accept that as a limitation but when we look at the write-ups on creatures a level three creature may still be level four in regards to some things mm -hmm. some level four creatures may be level five at dodging or something along those lines if someone did the research and was willing to kind of commit to having this npc maybe if they were willing to commit a contact point um uh, you know, uh, uh, for their character as making this person a, a or this entity a contact, then I might even be willing to give them a, a plus one bonus on the level in regards to particular types of tasks. So as you mentioned, you like you, if you want someone who's, who happens to know a lot about the blue, 
uh, or even something more specific than that, you know, about a very particular place in the blue. And they do the research to find this person's name our entity's name. And they're, they're They think, Hey, this is someone I'm going to want to call on a lot for this sort of information. I'd be willing to let to say that this, this entity is level level three entity, but level four in regards to questions about a specific issue. If that player is willing to kind of invest the time to develop the NPC. So I'd like to reward their investment in designing this entity by giving them a little bit of a bonus on what that, that entity can do in regards to a very particular type of task. At some point, I think you need to like learn an entity's name in order to advance in the order of Goetica. But uh, yeah, I like that idea where, hey, I'm going to use this thing a lot and I'm going to use it for this purpose. Like I would want to incentivize that. So yeah, I will be talking to my Goetic and and suggesting he start uh, figuring out what he wants to do uh, with the entities that he summons more frequently. Uh, once he once he figures out what the pattern is that he keeps following, uh, but anyway, if you do summon an entity entity by name, you may have to make a check. Uh, basically, if that entity is currently unavailable, let's say it's busy doing something else, uh, it might not be able to come and listen to your summoning request. Um, so there would be a check involved there. Or if the entity is unwilling, so perhaps you have an antagonistic relationship. Uh, with a demon that you keep summoning, uh, that demon may not want to come up and help you. So you're going to be looking at uh, a, a summoning check here, uh, which would be equal to the entity's level. Uh, and I would have to check to see if I think this, no, the sorcery doesn't count towards this check. So it would be a, a check against their level. Uh, and you would be able to spend sortilege and sorcery in order to, you know, add to your venture for this. Um Though, if the entity is willing and available, then there's no check here, then they'll just show up. And if you summon an entity whose name you know, that's going to be beneficial because they're going to get plus one die on whatever action you're asking them to perform for you. Uh, so perhaps in addition to any sort of customization you're making, hey, they're also going to get an enhancement on whatever they're doing. Uh, all right, so once you've got that being summoned, you're going to be performing your colloquy. So this is the negotiation between you and the entity. And there are four different ways you can negotiate with them to get them to do what you want them to do. And they all involve uh, different, I guess, role-playing questions. And some of them involve uh, actually having something that you can use uh, in addition to making a couple of checks. Uh, so the first one here is persuasion. You're just summoning something and you're trying to convince it to help you. Uh, that's going to require three interaction checks. And uh, the level of those checks is going to be the entity's level. Uh, and these don't get any sort of benefit from the sorcery that you've spent in order to summon the creature. These are just straight up interaction checks. So you'd be able to spend from your interaction pool and you can spend from Sortilage to add uh, enhancements to it. Uh, and if you have any skills that are appropriate, they would come into play here as well. Yeah, um, I suspect Goetics are going to invest heavily in skills with whatever their preferred means of colloquy is. Yes, and I have been suggesting and uh, urging my players, like, take a look at skills. You might want to start investing in some of these because... They're going to add to your venture and they're going to be significant bonuses. Uh, another thing, uh, another form would be bribery, which basically that requires an appropriate gift for the level of the entity that you're trying to work with. 
and if you have a gift, there's a table that kind of gives you some guidelines as to, you know, what sort of gift does this level entity require? Uh, once you give them an appropriate gift, then you have two interaction checks that you have to make, uh, similar to persuasion, which has three, this one just has two. Uh, the next thing is coercion, where you are basically intimidating this ent entity that you summoned. So you need to convince them that you can make their lives miserable, or you can harm them in some significant way, or not helping you would be to their detriment. Uh, so similar to bribery, instead here you're threatening them, uh, and then making two interaction checks. Uh, the last one, which is a bit more complicated, is trickery, which requires three checks, but it also involves some sort of bargain or wager or contest. So you're going to try to persuade the entity to, you know, get in on this deal with you. And then you do some sort of wager or bargain or a game of, or some sort of, you know, game of chance or skill. Uh, and then the last check you make is another persuasion or intimidation check. Um, so the way that I've been perform like rolling with these colloquies in at my table is I will ask my goetic basically what are you what are you trying to accomplish here uh, why should the entity be helping you and uh, what's in it for them so in between some of those questions as we're having this discussion I will ask my goetic all right make your check make your interaction check for this case um, rather than just saying, all right, roll three times right in a row, because uh, that feels a bit too mechanical and and a bit too impersonal. And you can also tie in some of the preparation that was done earlier. If, if a character has done the hours of research, uh, part of, of that research could turn up not only the name of the entity or other things that would that facilitate the summoning, they might find what type of bribe is this entity most interested in or what type of coercion are they most susceptible to uh, so you can kind of tie these together depending upon how story rich you want each of these summoning uh events to be yeah and that uh reminds me of another important point uh these colloquy checks are going to be impacted by how you are negotiating with the creature or the entity basically if you summon a demon and uh, you're asking it to do something that it likes to do, you might want to make that those checks easier. Uh, if you're summoning an angel and asking it to go off and kill somebody, it probably won't be super keen on it, and those checks might be harder. Uh, so the last thing, we, oh, if you fail any of these checks, then you're going to be looking at uh, some sort of repercussion. It could be uh, the entity attacks you, or it tries to influence you in some way, or maybe it just plain old escapes. Uh, or maybe it just says, uh, no, I'm not interested in leaves. Uh, so there are, there are some repercussions that can happen if you don't succeed at these checks. Um, so finally, we have the, uh, the summoning actions. And you don't have access to all of these actions as a, a first-degree goetic, but as you, you know, go up in the order, you're going to get more and more uh, actions that you can ask entities to perform. Uh, so very quickly, I'm going to run through these. You've got counsel in which uh, the entity that you summon is going to give you advice, uh, and it should be appropriate to the entity's level. Uh, aid would be uh, asking the entity to help you with some sort of physical action that is not combat. 
uh, you can ask an entity to guard you, which would protect you like a bodyguard. And I was hoping to use that last night, but then my the rest of my uh, characters uh, dispatch with the animated furniture a bit too quickly for the uh, entity that was summoned to get in and really help my Goetic out. Um, you can ask them to spy, in which you would have them observe and report on something that you're interested in. Uh, you can... Uh, ask them to perform a query in which you would ask them for a, you would ask them a single specific question, which they would answer if, if possible. Uh, then you have theft in which you ask them to steal something. Uh, you can have them assail a target. Uh, so you can summon something to help you out with combat, uh, not just protecting you, but actually fighting for you. Uh, you can summon something to restore one of your pools or remove a malady uh, based on the level of the malady that's inflicting you. Uh, you can influence to try and have the entity uh, use mental attacks to gain control over whatever target you're you know, directing them at. Uh, you can summon for creation uh, so that you would have the entity create an object for you and give it to you. Uh, another one that I think is really great and should be accessible to Goetics earlier is Glorify. You can summon an entity to just show up and pimp you, make you look real cool. Um, uh, and then a the last demon. two are, what's that? Yeah, a hype, a man, hype yes. demon. A hype demon. Uh, the last two are really interesting. Uh, there's Binding, in which you would summon an entity and then you would just put it into an object. And it's kind of like making an object of power. Uh, this object that you put it into would then be, uh, it would uh, have some sort of power that is representative of the entity that you've placed in it. I mean, it's kind of a kind of a jerk move, but I mean, it's, it's also kind of interesting. Uh, and the last one would be summoning an entity to be an ally in which the entity would work with you on a long-term basis. So that NPC entity that you've been working with, you know, here and there, perhaps you summon them and like, all right, you've got this ally and they're going to be working with you and they're going to be an NPC that shows up and, you know, answers requests and is around and basically becomes another member of the party. Um, so those are the different summoning actions you can take. And uh, the actions are gated based on the degree that you are in the order of Goetica. Uh, but you're going to start with those first four. Council, aid, guard, and spy. No, not spy. Council, aid, guard, and query, I think. I'm looking this up again. <laughs> oh, Council, aid, guard, and spy. I was right. I was right. And as you go up in level, you can summon higher level entities, and you get access to uh, more actions uh, that you can ask those entities to perform. So... That's Goetics. A um, couple of things that I am I'm still kind of working through. Uh, during action mode, summoning can totally happen, but it's weird to have like a discussion between the Goetic and the entity while action mode is happening. Have you have you done action mode summoning? We tried it out, but because of the absence of all of those benefits of preparation, they were loath to do it again. Uh, the way I basically broke it into a series of actions and say, okay, so imagine you have a party full of, of characters and the Goetic wants to participate. Well, round one, they are summoning. Round two is colloquy. And then round three, they may or may not 
uh, be able to convince them to guard or assail or whatever. Those, those would be the relevant uh, uh, options. The and assails only or you know is like requires degree two or three. Yes. So we we didn't get there in our play test. Yeah. Um, um, I I think I'm going to be adjusting things a little bit um, because I want the goetic to be able to summon something and have it help them out in action mode. Uh, so I think what I'm going to, what I'm going to probably be doing is just abstracting that whole colloquy a little bit. And when they, when they are trying to do a summon in action mode, cause usually what that action mode summoning is, is I want to summon something to guard me. I want to summon something to aid me. Like it doesn't, I don't think it really re- requires a whole lot of talking between the, the, you know, summon entity and the goetic. So I think I'd probably just wrap it up in one single round and just say, all right, you summon this thing. What are you looking to do? How are you convincing it? And we'll just sort of, we'll say that this sort of, this discussion happens like during the process and in whatever weird shared space you and this entity are communicating in. You could also use a flashback mechanic to say, uh, that they have already completed this negotiation on a contingent basis beforehand. That would be another good idea. Yes. Yeah. Cause I want, I want the goetic to be able to do that sort of thing on the fly and it feels like it should take longer, but it really shouldn't. Another option, which is again, bending the rules a little bit as I may be prone to do would be to just reflavor any of the spells they buy as, as, as being some as being simple summonings. Yes. So they feel like they're summoning something, even if they're really just casting a spell. Yeah. And it's, and it's a real straightforward sort of thing. Like guarding is pretty straightforward. Uh, It's the other stuff like counsel and spy that you're not going to be doing just as a, an action. There's going to be a little bit more thought put into those. Yeah, so you may decide some of these actions are really development mode actions and should be development mode summonings, and others are action mode summonings. And I could imagine one house ruling the system, so there's a simplified action mode summoning system for guard, assail, uh, restore, uh, and the like. Whereas the system described as a develop, de- development mode system uh, or narrative mode could be either one, really, uh, for... Yeah these information acquiring uh, actions like counsel, spy, uh, maybe even aid. Yeah. And we've used the, the others as narrative mode. So like counsel and spy, like totally, totally workable in narrative mode. Uh, it's guard that I want to see happen in action mode. And I, I will probably just simplify that so that it can happen. Yeah, so, and, and this ties into one thing that I, I learned from my experiences running the game um, there is a danger when following these, this particular set of rules that goetics take over a long, you know, be, the, the focus for a long section of a game session. And the way the rules seem to be set up, they do that, but they do that only rarely. So you have to have a player who's perfectly fine kind of not being a goetic until they are for a brief period of time. And then everything is about them. And then they fade back into the background for while well, everyone else has their spotlight time. And so you have to have this sort of binge and purge uh, approach to uh, spotlight 
to really use these rules for the Goetic. Some of these modifications and house rules can help you uh, allow a Goetic to feel like a summoner without necessarily taking over all of the spotlight for half an hour or whatever it might be if you were following all of the steps in a Goetic summoning. Yeah, and that's why I've been condensing them a bit. Just so that, you know, the Goetic can do some of these things. Uh, and my Goetic, uh, he's he's pretty okay with, like, not being in the spotlight, even when he's doing the summoning. So, you know, it kind of works out. With the Gen Con playtest, this is something I was worried about for both the Goetic and the Maker, because their work tends to, being a, all their Goetic magic and all their making magic takes so much time and requires these other subsystems. I was afraid they would take away too much time. And the end result was that there was just very little uh, use of the of summoning or making in those games, and instead the player the, the pregenerants had uh, other spells, other abilities that they could kind of rely on uh, to to get along. And I tried to introduce at least a flavor of the uh, of goetic summoning into the game without necessarily engaging the full system. That was harder to do with makers, but we you know we've talked about the makers matrix and how complicated that can be. Uh, that was not something I wanted to engage in the middle of a four hour uh, Gen Con session. Mm. Uh, however, in their case, one of the pregens actually had an item they had made, so th- their connection to their maker status was that they had this cool item that no one else had anything close to. Yeah. You just have to meter how you are uh, assigning spotlight very carefully when dealing with goetic summoning. Yeah. Um, and so far things on my end have been all right. Uh, but it does help having the uh, a, a certain sort of personality type in that goetic slot. Yeah, it, it is certainly workable. Uh, you just have to be careful with it. And I, in my case, just be flexible uh, and try to make sure that people aren't, you aren't losing other people because the Goetic's getting a lot of attention. And uh, there's ways to manage that and to meter out that spotlight time while still more or less following the rules or if nothing else, following the, the uh, intention behind the rules, I think. And you can see many examples of this that might not be obvious in fiction, uh, where you, you could use as models, not just obvious summoning, um, but I was just thinking even the interrogation scene in um, the Avengers movie, the original Avengers, is you know, you've, you've got Loki inside this box, which is kind of like he has been summoned into this protective circle. Uh, so scenes like that, while not properly summoning, can also help give you hints as to how to include the other players in this process. So if a Goetic summons someone for aid uh, or counsel or something like that, the other players may still be involved in the narrative. You could even play it so that they're summoned, that the, the entity is summoned into a circle, but other, other people could also interact with it. Even if the Goetic is still the primary uh, participant in the colloquy. Yeah. And that's kind of how it's worked when, when we've done the council. And I'm I'm reviewing the the rules again. And if you go into the key, page fifty four, it talks about summoning and how you know what your limits are. And one thing I'm going to have to think about is uh, this sentence: summoning requires one round of time and the devotion of one sorcery per level of the summoned being. That gets long quickly. If needed and appropriate, summoning requires one round per level of the summoned being. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I think I'm going to have to do flashbacks in order to get those, you know, protective spirits in play. 
Well, and by the time you finish your summoning, even if no one's attacking you in that meantime, which is a big assumption, mm-hmm. combat goes fast in Invisible Sun. Yes, and so four rounds in, it, it's over. Yep. <laughs> Someone's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things don't last much, much longer than three or four rounds. So, so I do think I, I think flashback's a good way to, to at least one uh, easy idea uh, while you consider other options. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, hey, uh, do what works for your table. I'm confident that is the intent, the the, the with level intent behind the game. <laughs> Here's some ideas. Play with them. Have fun. And there's a lot here to play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be talking about. Um... Weavers and Vances before too long, I think. No, we've talked about Vances. We're going to be talking about Weavers pretty soon. And we've done the Maker's Matrix. Yep. And I don't think the Apostates want us talking about them, but we made anyway. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, It really helps us out. Uh, We also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, Or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and help people find us.